Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, my name is Pete McCall, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the All About Fitness podcast. This episode is a continuation of the book, Smarter Workouts. I wrote Smarter Workouts to help you understand how to use exercise. Yes, a lot of us use exercise to lose weight, look great, and all that stuff, but really, here's a proposal, folks, and I mean this, and I really sincerely mean this. Fitness gives you freedom. Being fit gives you choices for how you can live your life. You want to go play with your kids. You want to go play with your grandkids. You want to take that fun vacation. You want to go on that hike. You have to be fit. You have to have some baseline of fitness. If you've listened to my podcast before, you've listened to All About Fitness, if you've ever read anything I've written for the American Council on Exercise, for the National Academy of Sports Medicine, for IDEA, I, I write almost exclusively for fitness professionals working with clients like you. Okay, one thing that I'm not is I'm not an Instagram or YouTube fitness celebrity. I'm not. That's not what I do. But I'm an educator. I educate personal trainers. And now my focus on helping educate you to learn how to use exercise successfully. We're going to pick up where we left off. Hey, that's the way we always do it. Right now I'm talking about the cardiorespiratory system. And again, this section from Smarter Workouts, what I'm doing for the podcast, is I am reading a couple chapters of Smarter Workouts to you. Because number one, I've wanted to do this for a while, and this is probably the most effective way for me to do a book on tape. And number two, well, I am going to be updating Smarter Workouts in the next year or so, and so I'm going to be revising a little bit. But really what I'm doing is I want you to understand that I mean that. No matter who you go to for your exercise advice, no matter what person you follow on Instagram or YouTube, and and I get it, you're going to follow other people. I want you to know what exercise does to your body. If you understand how your body responds to exercise, then it's much easier for identify the type of exercises that you want to do. So we're picking up the cardiorespiratory system. The cardiorespiratory system consists of the heart, lungs, and blood vessels. That includes arteries, veins, and capillaries. The lungs bring oxygen into the body, and the heart pumps deoxygenated blood to the lungs, which place oxygen into the blood before it's pumped back to the heart and around the rest of the body. That's what your heart does. Your heart's like a pump, just circulating things, right? We measure heart rate as as intensity because we know how hard that heart is working, how hard the pump is working. Think of your heart rate. If If you pay attention to cars, if you like driving cars, I know a lot of us do, think of your heart rate as your tachometer. The higher the RPM on your tachometer, the more stress on your engine. You don't want to go the red line or else you'll damage the engine. Well, your heart is basically the same thing, except here's the thing. 
exercise can condition your heart to be more effective. So I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here. Cardiorespiratory exercise, often referred to simply as cardio, consists of activities that elevate the heart rate for extended periods of time. However, this can be doing this can be however, this can be somewhat of a misnomer because if you are breathing, which you're hopefully doing while listening to this, you are doing cardio as you pull oxygen into your body in an effort to help fuel the activity of staying awake to listen to this podcast. Your body's metabolism produces the necessary energy to sustain physical activity as a function of various systems, including the cardiorespiratory, digestive, circulatory, endocrine, and muscular systems. Physical activity, including exercise, can use two types of energy to fuel, fuel that activity, chemical and mechanical. Adenosine triphosphate, or ATP, is the form of chemical energy created from nutrition substrates of fat, carbohydrate, and in some cases protein, which is then used to fuel muscle contractions. Mechanical energy is stored during the rapid lengthening of the elastic fascia and connective tissue, and which is then released during the shortening phase of muscle action. A more accurate way to describe the type of exercise that elevates your heart rate and helps to improve the efficiency of producing energy is metabolic conditioning. And I want you to think about that. If you're breathing and you're bringing oxygen in, you're pushing CO2 out, you're basically doing cardio. So it, the form of breathing is cardio. But anytime you're exercising, you're using a different metabolic system. You have different ways that your metabolism produces energy. And you can produce energy chemically, converting fat and carbohydrate into ATP, or use mechanical energy from the muscle tissue itself. And we're going to go a lot more into that as we go. Both steady state, which is maintaining the same intensity for an extended period of time, and interval training, which is alternating between high and low periods of intensity. So steady state, just go out exactly what it sounds like. And interval training, interval training does not have to be high intensity. There are different forms of interval training. So I want to make that, make that case right here. Your body will produce ATP in one of three ways. Lipolysis, which is breaking down fatty acids with oxygen to sustain low to moderate intensity for extended duration of time. So lipolysis is breaking down a fat with oxygen. Glycolysis is metabolizing glycogen, and glycogen is how carbohydrate is stored in muscle and liver tissue. So glycolysis is a breakdown of carbohydrate or glycogen into ATP. Now glycolysis can happen with and without oxygen. When you can breathe and talk while you're exercising, you're using oxygen for fuel. Well, we should all be breathing while exercise. But when you can talk while you exercise, you're primarily using oxygen for fuel. But however, when your intensity goes up, you need more oxygen, you're pushing out CO2. The thing is about high intensity exercise is you're pushing out more CO2. That's why you're breathing quicker because muscles, when muscles use carbohydrate or muscles use glycogen, carbohydrate produces carbon dioxide and we have to push carbon dioxide out of the body. So here we go. The, the, final, the final, so we have three form, we have three phases of your metabolism. You have lipolysis, which is fat and oxygen, glycolysis, which is carbohydrate with or without oxygen, and then you have ATP. ATP can be stored in the muscle cell and used directly for energy. The intensity and duration of exercise will determine the amount of oxygen required and the substrates used to produce the ATP. Metabolic conditioning has become a term used to describe high-intensity exercise. However, all exercise is a form of metabolic conditioning because the body metabolizes substrates into ATP to fuel muscle activity. Higher-intensity exercise requires more oxygen and higher levels of ATP. Therefore, a better way to think of metabolic conditioning is energy-expensive exercise. More muscle tissue involved in a workout will create a higher demand for oxygen. 
thereby expending more energy. When you're at rest or working at lower exercise intensities, your type 1 muscle fibers use oxygen to help metabolize ATP from fatty acids. As exercise intensity increases, type 2 muscle fibers either use stored ATP or convert glycogen, which is, stored, uh, which is the stored carbohydrate muscle cells, to ATP with or without the presence of oxygen. Aerobic glycolysis is the production of ATP from glycogen while using oxygen. Anaerobic glycolysis is how glycogen is processed into ATP without the use of oxygen. During rest and low-intensity exercise, ATP is provided through aerobic metabolism. However, the energy for high-intensity exercise is produced by the phosphagen and glycolysis energy pathways, placing a significant demand on the evolved muscle tissue in the circulatory system to rapidly deliver the ATP required to fuel muscle activity. It doesn't matter whether it's resistance training or cardiovascular conditioning, one of the outcomes of high-intensity exercise is an extreme amount of metabolic stress responsible for initiating changes in the system used for producing and fueling movement. Fatty acids require oxygen and take longer to convert to ATP, making them an inefficient source of energy during high-intensity exercise. Carbohydrates are converted to glycogen in the liver, and when muscles need energy rapidly, carbohydrates are used in the type 2 muscle fibers where they convert to ATP with or without oxygen. The intensity and duration of the exercise will influence which substrates are used and whether oxygen is required to convert them into ATP. When high-intensity exercise persists for an extended period of time and no more glycogen is immediately available to create ATP, the body will convert amino acids, the building blocks of protein, to ATP during a process referred to as gluconeogenesis. High-intensity exercise programs are popular because they produce results. They do. High-intensity exercise works. We've seen that. But they require a lot of energy and generate a lot of mechanical forces, causing stress to both the mechanisms and muscle cells responsible for producing ATP and the mechanical structures of muscle fibers, respectively. These metabolic and mechanical stresses are responsible for initiating the mechanisms leading to muscle growth. But it's important to understand that doing high-intensity exercise too often or for too long or both could result in damage to cellular structures that could keep you from reaching your fitness goals. And I'm going to go into this a little bit in a couple minutes. I'm going to keep reading here. During low to moderate intensity exercise, your body does not need a significant amount of oxygen. So you should be able to hold a conversation because your breathing rate will not interfere with the ability to speak. If you're out for a walk, your body, your, and this is me going off the book here. If you're out for a walk, say you're out for a walk, you're metabolizing primarily fat using oxygen. So therefore, it's very easy to hold a conversation, whether you're with a friend or you're on the phone. If you're at a low intensity, you're not using that much energy and you're not pushing out much CO2. But say you go for a jog or a run instead of a walk. Well, muscles need energy quicker, so muscles will use carbohydrate or glycogen for energy because it's easier and quicker to convert glycogen into energy than fat. And when you convert glycogen to energy, that's where you can be producing more carbon dioxide, so breathing gets quicker and it becomes more difficult to talk. Once you have finished, we're going to go back to the book here. After a period of high-intensity exercise, which depletes available ATP stores, muscles need to rest or work at lower intensity in order to allow the accumulated hydrogen ions to be removed as well as to replace the spent ATP. This is the basic science behind interval training. During a period of lower intensity exercise or rest, the body will use oxygen to help produce and re replace the ATP used during the higher intensity interval. The more oxygen the body uses, both during exercise to fuel activity 
and afterward to help with the recovery process, the more calories will be spent. After you are finished with a high intensity workout, you will continue to breathe at a faster rate than normal because your body still needs additional oxygen to help with the post-exercise recovery process. Oxygen used during the recovery period after exercise to support a number of physiological functions, including the production of new ATP, conversion of lactate, a byproduct of energy metabolism, into glycogen to replace, okay, sorry, conversion of lactate into glycogen to replace what was used during exercise. Restoration of oxygen levels in venous blood, skeletal muscle myoglobin. This is just going into the nitty gritty details of the, of the physiology or metabolism. The bottom line is this. When you work at a high intensity, you're putting significant stress on the system. So when you work at a high intensity, your muscles need energy without oxygen. When you do that though, if you've ever felt burning in your muscles, if you've ever been in a cycling class, you've been out running or weightlifting, and you feel that burning sensation in your muscles, that burning sensation is an indication of something called acidosis. Acidosis, which if you've seen the movie A Few Good Men, you hear the term acidosis quite a bit, but acidosis is a change of chemistry in the bloodstream. Your, your blood is becoming more acidic. You have less oxygen and you have more metabolic byproduct. A metabolic byproduct can include hydrogen, it can include inorganic phosphates, it can include lactic acid, but lactate gets recycled back into energy. The bottom line is if you feel muscle burning, you're working at a really high intensity and you need to take a break to allow your circulatory system, to allow the blood to remove the metabolic byproduct and bring new nutrients and new oxygen and new, new um, nutrients into the tissues for repair. Now that's why if you've ever really been exercising at a high intensity for a long time and you lose energy, one of the things you're doing is, is your, your source of glycogen or carbohydrate is not immediately available. And so what your body might do, what muscle cells might do for energy, is they might start tapping into amino acids. And you can tell this is happening. If you've ever wondered, if you've ever got done with a long workout and you wondered why that, why you, you smell ammonia, or if you left your shirt, we, we've done this, you have a, a top or a shirt, whatever, you take off and you throw it somewhere before you put it in the wash and you smell it and you, wow, why does that smell like ammonia? Nitrogen is a, both a component of amino acids and a component of ammonia. If you're metabolizing amino acids for fuel, you're not using amino acids to repair muscle protein damage during exercise. Say that again. If you're exercising at a high intensity for too long and your muscles start metabolizing protein for fuel, that's it. You, can, you can determine that by smelling ammonia, then you're not using protein to repair the muscle tissue. Just something to pay attention to. It's very important. I try to point that out to people. Look, if, if you're smelling ammonia, then you're exercising too hard for too long. And that's no bueno. It's much better. The science on HIT, and also, and I'm about to get into the endocrine system here, then I'm going to wrap it up. But you can start seeing the case. So I wrote Smarter Workouts in 2018, 2019. And you start seeing, as I started getting into the research on metabolic conditioning and understanding high-intensity exercise, I'm like, wow, there are a lot of benefits here that could slow down the aging. So Smarter Workouts, doing the research for Smarter Workouts, led to the research for ageless intensity. And then doing that research naturally segued right into recovery. Because if I'm going to be talking about high-intensity exercise, well, i got to teach you how to recover, right? i got to teach you what to do to recover. So you can see how these three books kind of all flow together. So I'm going to wrap up this section with the endocrine system. And now, if you've been exercising for a while, I know when we start exercising, we, we look at our muscles, you know, we start paying attention to nutrition and all that. But if you really want to understand how your body responds to exercise, understand the endocrine system response. Understand the hormones that are produced as a response of exercise. 
You know, when you look at it, that's where, when you, when you look at, at that, that's really how the body, I mean, exercise is a stress on the body. The stress stimulates produce different types of hormones. That's what we're getting into here. Endocrine system. The central nervous system organizes the electrical impulses that control muscle actions. That's how your muscles contract, electrical impulse from the nervous system, fueled by ATP. However, structural changes to muscle, fascia, and elastic connective tissues are influenced by hormones, chemicals that control many cellular functions. That's what a hormone is. A hormone is a chemical produced by your body that controls how various cells in your body function. The endocrine system regulates the production of hormones and is directly responsible for many of the physiological adaptations to exercise. Hormones only work with specific receptor sites in a cell and can affect cellular functions in different ways. Hormones control a number of physiological reactions in the body, including energy metabolism, tissue growth, hydration levels, synthesis and degradation of muscle protein, reproductive processes, and mood. Hormones are responsible for both building new muscle and helping to metabolize fat into energy. Therefore, it is important to understand which ones are released in relation to exercise, as well as the physiological functions they influence. The chances are that you have probably never started to work out thinking, quote, today is my endocrine system training day, end quote. Yet, anytime, anytime you exercise, you're engaging the endocrine system to produce specific changes in your body. And again, we tend to think of exercise being mainly for the muscles, but we're influencing the endocrine system, we're influencing the nervous system, we're influencing our limbic system, we're influencing our emotions. Now, exercise is a very complicated process, and it's not something to gloss over lightly. The type of exercise you do, the intensity at which you do it, and how well you allow yourself to recover afterward will influence production of hormones, which can create either an anabolic response to build new tissues such as muscle and fascia or a catabolic response that will metabolize fat, carbohydrate, and sometimes protein and energy. Anabolic hormones are responsible for supporting the protein synthesis for muscle growth, while catabolic hormones play an important role in the energy expenditure required for weight loss. There are three major classification of hormones, steroid, peptide, and amines. Modified amines are modified amino acids that act as hormones. Each of these, each of which has a unique chemical structure that determines how it interacts with specific receptors. Steroid hormones interact with receptors in the nucleus of a cell. Peptide hormones are composed of amino acids and work with specific receptor sites on the cell membrane. Amines contain nitrogen and influence the sympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for among other functions, initiating the process to produce energy for exercise. And you can tie, you see in there where if we're using amino acids for fuel, and we're using nitrogen, we can get that ammonia smell. All right. Polypeptide hormones are composed of amino acids and are capable of binding to receptors in blood or receptors located on the cell membrane. Insulin and human growth hormone are two examples of polypeptide hormones. All steroid hormones are fat-soluble, allowing them to passively diffuse across the sarcolemma of a muscle fiber. Steroid hormones are produced in the adrenal cortex and gonads and are derived from a common precursor, cholesterol. Steroid hormones include the male sex hormone testosterone and the female sex hormone estrogen. High-intensity exercise can cause mechanical damage and metabolic stress such as acidosis to muscle tissue. The response is an increase in the anabolic hormones responsible for repairing and building new muscle proteins or the collagen used in fascia and elastic connective tissues. Among other functions, the hormones growth hormone, insulin-like growth factor, and testosterone help repair the damaged muscle proteins essential for increasing muscle size and force production. 
If your goal is to increase lean muscle mass, this becomes one of the most important benefits of high-intensity training. However, it is also a reason why simply reduce, relying on a scale for body weight as a measure of progress is not necessarily a good thing. As a hormone like GH, growth hormone, helps metabolize fat for fuel, it also helps grow, grow new muscle tissue. This means you may not lose much net weight, but you could experience a different body composition with higher levels of muscle and lower levels of excess, of excess body fat. Like growth hormone, testosterone is an important hormone that stimulates production that stimulates muscle protein synthesis, making it an integral component of increasing lean muscle mass. Increased testosterone levels are an acute response to strength training, especially when it's performed to a point of momentary fatigue, indicating both metabolic and mechanical overload. As you add lean muscle mass, you are increasing your resting metabolism and elevating the amount of calories you burn at rest. A pound of muscle will expend approximately 5 to 7 calories per day, so a pound of muscle burns about 5 to 7 calories per day at rest. Adding 5 pounds of muscle is like elevating your resting metabolism by about 30-35 calories a day. Think about that. 30, and it, that doesn't sound like a lot, but over 7 days, if you add 5 pounds of, muscles over, of muscle over the course of 7 days, that's like walking or running 2 miles without doing any activity just from the metabolism of the tissue. Therefore, uh, while the body produces hormones responsible for a myriad of physiological functions, the ones listed in this section are directly influenced by physical activity in general and exercise in particular. Therefore, they play essential roles in helping the body to adapt to physical demands of exercise. That's really, this is really it. You can hear that. The exercise that you do produces a certain response from your endocrine or hormone system. The amount of recovery that you allow allows those hormones to work. If you, if you hammer yourself three, four high-intensity workouts, three or four, if you do hammer yourself with high-intensity workouts three or four days in a row, I'll say that again, if you crush yourself with high-intensity workouts three or four days in a row, you don't give yourself a chance to recover. You do not give the hormones a chance to work. You do not give glycogen a chance to be restored in muscle cells. If you have a really hard workout that leaves you depleted, it takes your muscles about 48 hours. 48 hours to completely restore glycogen and energy. So if you have a really hard workout one day, the next day should be moderate, low to moderate intensity. And that's what you're going to learn. This is why it's so important to understand the science. We tend to think of exercise. I'm going to go out, I'm going to sweat, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. We don't think of it that seriously. But exercise, especially moderate to high intensity exercise, initiates a number, a number of changes in the body and it's critical to be able to start, you know, it's critical to be able to, to recognize that and understand what you can do. So I'm not going to go into it here, but in the book, I list a number of different hormones and what they do. Glucagon, cortisol, epinephrine, testosterone. Now, one final thing on testosterone really quick. For those of you that are afraid of, uh, of blowing up in muscle overnight, don't be. <laughs> and I mean that. If you're afraid of, if I lift any weights, if I lift any weights, I'm going to get big. I'm going to get huge. Here's the thing. Testosterone is produced primarily in the testes. If you don't have testes, your body ain't going to produce that much testosterone. Women can produce some testosterone in the adrenal complex, complex and in the ovaries, but men will produce a lot more testosterone. In response to exercise, women produce a lot more uh, growth, fa uh, growth factor and growth hormone. And since growth hormone metabolizes fat and helps your skin look better, that's kind of a good thing. So I'm going to leave it there for right now, talking about your body's response to exercise, how, the, how exercise influences the body, 
And keep in mind, you can hear as you listen to this, as I'm reading through this, I'm seeing the foundation of the other two books I've recently written on ageless intensity and on recovery. So thanks. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate this. I appreciate your time. I really do. I appreciate your taking the time to listen. And hopefully you're getting something out of this podcast. If you are, if you enjoy what I'm doing with the book on tape, please shoot me a quick email, Pete at Pete McCall Fitness, or you can tweet at me. That's that's uh, Pete MC underscore fitness. My, my Twitter is Pete MC underscore fitness. Email, tweet me. Let me know if you're liking this because I think this is what I'm trying to do again is educate you so you learn the role of exercise to enhance your life and allow you to do things you want to do and how to use it effectively. If you want to reach out to me, I gave you that information. You can follow me on Instagram. Instagram is all about fitness podcast. Again, that's all about fitness podcast on Instagram. If you want great supplements, if you want great nutrition, gnarly nutrition is the place to go. That's go gnarly nutrition. That's sorry. Go to the website, go gnarly. That's G O G N A R L Y. Go gnarly.com. Use AA fitness to save 15% on your nutrition order and use supplements. Supplements can help you grow muscle, help you recover quicker, and they've played a huge role in my training over the past year, and I want to share that with you. As always, thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes of All About Fitness.